Sean is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Go. Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 81 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow everything Built-In Buffalo is doing, giving you content every single day on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. I don't know, everywhere you could find Built-In Buffalo. We're taking over. We are your hosts, of course. I am Matt Greco. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what is going on? Tony is dry. He's out of the flooded basement. <laughs> <laughs> You're revitalized. Are you having a resurrection? You're literally out of the flooded basement. I am in the basement, but it is dry-ish. Okay, that's good. And but there are other rifts around me. Asbestos? Possibly. Okay. <laughs> probably. That's probably. I have to sleep on that for a while. Okay. Now you have to record knowing that. Between last record and this record, a new hot water heater has been installed. Whew. And long overdue. Little behind the scenes uh, window for our listeners. Halfway through last week's record, a mouse was spotted in the basement, <laughs> and which completely threw me off emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually. Because I do not te- technologically. <laughs> technolog- technologically, additionally, yes, you are correct. I, I call it a hot take. I am not pro mouse in the house. No. No. Very anti. Anti. Did you give a mouse a cookie? I gave, I gave him some peanut butter and a glue trap and took care of business. <laughs> Get that mouse out of here. However. Little did you know, he was our guest that week and you shooed him away. Well, that was why I think I was thrown off as a podcast host. Not because of the mouse's presence and what he was maybe doing in my house, but I was so confident to have a live audience. I didn't know what he was saying about the podcast. I had a live listener. That's not something we often have. No, it is not. Really putting, really putting you on the spot. Was really putting it on the spot, and of course he's only hearing one side of the conversation. So I felt like you know I had to like put things in context, tell him what you were talking about, or her, or her. Yes, we don't know what the gender of that mouse was. I will admit to you that I am sitting on this couch in the same place in which I was recording last week. My head is on a swivel. If something moves <laughs> in the statement, I'm gonna freak out. That's why you had to leave the house and go to DC this week, right? You could not live it with that mouse. I think 550th miles. Is probably the minimum buffer zone I'm willing to have <laughs> for at least a little bit of time. Needed to be. Tony, of course, you were in the nation's capital this week. I wasn't. I was in the nation's capital this week. I've been back home for approximately 20 minutes. Look at that. What a, what a champion. Jumping right back into the podcast game. Yeah. 
nation's capital around the corner, New York. That's right. I'm assuming you were in D.C. to uh, to protest the Washington football team not going with blank men and going with the commanders. Well, you know, that was one of many, you know, bullet points on the list. It's interesting, Matt. You know, the joke going around, and from a witty perspective, I think you'll appreciate oh, the joke going around the D.C. metro area is the Washington commandos and oh. a lot of underwear puns happening. Oh, wow. Well, that'll, that'll be some interesting fan viewing this season. Wow. There used to be a video game I played called Bionic Commando. Oh, Bionic Commando. Interesting. It has a whole new meaning right now. Yeah, he had a uh, bionic arm, a robotic arm that extended and doubled as a grappling hook, but... I'm kind of thinking the title had a, had a double meaning now that you're mentioning the, the other definition of commando. <laughs> right. The Harold Boy definition of commando. Right. That childhood video game has a whole new meaning to me now. <laughs> but of course, you were expected to play commando. <laughs> yes, of course. I think that was a very good point. It had a special intent controller. <laughs> of course it did. The other question, Tony, is uh, did you go to the tombs as you're... <laughs> Mr. Greco, you know me all too well. I did make an appearance at the tomb, which, as our listeners know, is the real-life St. Elmo's Fire. That's right. Which, as our listeners know, is an oft-forgotten 80s Brat Pack film starring Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, and many others. An all-star cast. So I did go to the real-life tomb. It was, in a word, dangerous. (laughs) Because it was insanely crowded. Oh, no. That is dangerous. It was, it was dangerous. Did you feel a little out of place? No, I did not feel out of place. As much as my significant other felt out of place, he made many references to that we were told to be in there. And I was quick to point out two gentlemen who were older than us. There you go. And it was fine. I was clinging to that notion as I drank my, my tomb's ale. I feel like whenever, I feel like whenever you, we go, like people our age go to a bar and we walk in and feel like we're too old to be here. The first thing we do is look for the next oldest person to like justify our reasoning for being there, right? Be ready when someone else in the group says, I think we're too old to be in here. Right. Because normally I would just, in, in my heart and in my mind, I'm saying, no, we're not. What do you say? We look just like these people. <laughs> right. Look at that guy over there. He's, he's 40. <laughs> he would also say like, well, that person's like a junior, you know. If you're in 300 level classes, you look like me. Right. This is what I want to prove to everyone else in the group. The other big question, you went to the tombs. If our listeners follow our podcast, did you connect up with your Uber driver? Dijon. Dijon. The famous Dijon. Hashtag, where is Dijon? Never got lucky. Oh, Dijon. That is a shame. Did you ask the Uber driver you got if they knew Dijon? Oh, you know, if they're hanging out at DC Underground Uber meetups. <laughs> it could be. You don't know. Very interesting. Well, I I will say I had Dijon on the mind nope. because of course. it was a high priority for me that we had to take Dijon's advice. Well, at, you know, six years later, finally have the Dijon uh, experience of going to the war and anything standing up. <laughs> I did eat at the war. I'm happy to report it. It was it was made to happen. I ate at the war. You hit all the uh, so hit all the memorable moments, didn't you? Well, of the two was in the war, and then I hit those two. Well, those are the only two you need. Was not. <laughs> the trip was completely with the time because I knocked those things out quite quickly. Could you imagine if Dijon was in the picture? Wow. I mean, I usually imagine if Dijon is in the picture <laughs> every night as I go to bed. <laughs> every night as I go to bed. Yeah. So it sounded like a good trip, Tony. We gotta get back to. 
our, our wittiness. We 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 faltered a little last week, I'd say, due to everything that was going on, due to the mouse, due to the flood, due to whatever technical difficulties you're having. Let's bounce back this week, and we're gonna bounce back by starting with, of course, the biggest event this week, the most talked about event this week, the USFL draft. Finally. The USFL has come back. <laughs> I can I can do a Dwayne the Rock Johnson voice, but I choose not to. Tony, it was immaculate. The USFL draft. There were names pulled from from the thirty two rounds that I haven't seen in a while. The first pick was Shea Patterson, who his college team in Michigan. And by the way, there was a lot of Michigan players chosen, oddly. So I guess Michigan is happy with Jim Harbaugh's contract extension, knowing a majority of his players are now playing in the USFL. But Shea Patterson, of course, famously uh, was awarded Offensive Player of the Year, and they got his name wrong on the award from the college he played for. So uh, good for him. But I mean, the, the hits didn't stop there, Tony. There was blasts from the past, if you will. Paxton Lynch, one of my favorite draft picks ever. 2016's finest, him and Christian Hackenberg, was not taken in the first round. That's how much he's falling. He was a first-round pick in the NFL draft in 2016, and now he's not even one of the the eight quarterbacks picked in the first round. That's how much he's fallen. I guess the, I don't even know what to call it, the the off-brand, the C-level boy band, goatee, Fu Manchu thing he's got going didn't work out for him from a brandy perspective so he fell down the draft boards accordingly guys like case kukas yes case kukas where are all my case kukas fans out there got taken before paxton lynch where are all the kooks out there <laughs> guys who got taken after paxton lynch in 2016 is a murderer of good players derrick henry xavian howard dak prescott michael thomas chris jones kevin bayard Denver Broncos, not the greatest look, but a couple bills, but not as many as I thought. I saw I saw Garrick McGinn, who was like a training camp practice squad offensive lineman. I saw Victor Bolden, uh, Bolden Jr., who had, uh, he had a couple moments in uh, a preseason or two for the bills. But I didn't really see anybody else. Like Brown, I saw, right? I didn't really see anybody else. These are all kind of players that would be draw players. Yeah, I was... You don't come out of our team anymore. I was genuinely surprised how few former Bills were taken. Like, where's my Cam Phillips at? Is Cam Phillips too good? When the XFL was around two years ago or whatever it was, like, he was the best receiver in that league. And now he's from the CFL, and I wonder if there's some contractual stipulations that don't allow him to play in the USFL or something. I, I was surprised a guy like that didn't get taken. Were there any other former Bills you were surprised that didn't show up? Maybe Cardell Jones? I will say, I, I kind of thought that was going to happen. I did get thrown off because there's an inside linebacker named Taiwan Jones. <laughs> I did see that as well, and I was so excited. <laughs> And then I saw his position. I'm like, wait a second. And I continue to peel back the layers of this mystery, trying to figure out if AJ Tarpley is Arnold Tarpley. <laughs> I don't want to believe that he is, but I don't want to believe that he isn't. You're right. Both of my confirmation biases are coming in hard. The mystery, the mystery remains. Will always remain. I think. I don't know if we'll ever find out if Arnold and AJ are the same person. We'll find out. There's no way. Uh, a couple other notes I had, again, guys I've never heard of, but names that I appreciated. A guy named Davin Bellamy, who I'm assuming is Bill Bellamy's brother, was taken. Right. Yep, How to Be a Player. Great movie. What else? Michael Scott from The Office. The Court. Brandon Hittner, brother of safety, former Bill Safety Dante Hittner, was taken. Right. What do you have? Uh, from the Italians of Birmingham, 
I really like offensive tackle O'Shea Dubit, <laughs> who I know is named after Little Giants. Like Danny O'Shea? He must be named after Little Giants. He must be. Anybody named O'Shea? Anybody named O'Shea is named after Little Giants. O'Shea Douglas, O'Shea Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson. <laughs> They're all obviously big Little Giants fans. Right. As, as we are, of course. What else? Oh, we got retweeted by or quote tweeted by a draft pick, and he is officially the front runner for defensive player of the year based on him just quote tweeting us. But Chase Demore, that's a great name, by the way. Very. Moore is a is a fantastic name. It's a fantastic name. Plus, he's a Netflix personality. It's a be- even better name now, knowing he's a Netflix personality. He was on season two of a show called Too Hot to Handle. Yeah, I've heard of a it. favorite of yours, right? Tony? Wow. Should we try to get him on on our podcast? I'm thinking the addition of the podcast in the off season to being all you have to follow. <laughs> I think that's the natural progression here. He went to Central uh, Washington University. He's also known not only for net being on Netflix, but he uh, had the most blocked kicks in college football in 2018. So that was kind of cool. Who did he get drafted to, though? Let's see here. He's on Michigan. I think Jeff Fisher coaches Michigan. Wow, what a get! So, so there. Jeff Fisher. Hard Hard knocks, I guess. Well, that's a reality, yeah. Yeah, why not, right? Jeff Fisher, Michigan Panthers. So, congratulations, Michigan. You're going to go 500 this year, just based on this one. So, get ready for that. Chase Demore also uses witty puns with his name included. So, I I appreciated that very much. He said it's like time to to chase down a title. A for effort. You do have responsibility. Your name is a verb. Use as many, use as many uh, puns as you can about him. Agree, absolutely agree. But other than that, that that's the only notes I really had, Tony. Gary Elston, he's another former Bill. I'm noticing now. Oh, okay. I didn't even see him. Come on. Uh, Jersey General. Some players fall through the cracks in 32 rounds. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Of course, of course. I'm paying attention a lot to the generals because I decided that I hate them well before this draft. Of course, of course. You know, you know, what? I I was surprised there weren't more. Like novelty picks, like just draft Spencer Rattler and see like if it gets confusing for the who owns the rights to Spencer Rattler when he gets drafted in the NFL. It's a good strategy, right? You know, with the Houston Gambler strategy is what it seemed like, so right, and it worked out okay for them for a couple of years. Right, it's like it's like a baseball team drafting Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray because they also play sure. baseball, and maybe the football thing doesn't work out. You know, maybe the NFL thing doesn't work out, and then you kind of get him. Speaking of quarterbacks. Who are good in college who probably aren't going to be good in the NFL. Johnny Manziel was another one I thought would like pop up, but no. Well, there there was a lot of there was a lot of like no name guys. I I learned a lot in watching or not watching, following along because it wasn't televised. Following along with this USFL draft, I learned Tarlington State is a is a school. Never knew that they must play in the same division as what Brian Stratton, University of Phoenix online, ITT Tech, Brockport, Brockport, yeah. So USFL, who do you think has the strongest? I mean, what I'm really waiting for is these unis to come around. Well, the unis are out. Well, I know, but I mean, I want to see them in real life. I, I need to see them beyond the picture. I feel like I haven't seen, like, I haven't truly seen them. Like, I've only seen them all together. Who, so, I'm not explaining this. Let, I'm not explaining this well, but, like, I've only seen the group of all of them. Like, I haven't seen the breakdown right, right. I know. of, like, the uniforms in. But you, does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about here? I, I get I get what you're putting down, yeah. Well, let's, let's, pick, a, let's pick a team now that the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast will support. Who who are we putting our chips behind here? I'll tell you one team who's automatically out for me. 
The Tampa Bay Bandits. They're out for you? They're out for me because they're lazy. You're in Tampa Bay. You're just going to go with Bandits, and they got the Buccaneers on the other side of the pond. Like, come up with a better name. Already off the bat, I'm, I'm done with them, honestly. See, that's not how I feel about Breakers. Breakers? I mean, I know it's like breaking tides. Breaking waves, yeah. I also think it's a little inappropriate <laughs> for New Orleans. <laughs> oh, because the, the levees broke? Pretty much. Faux pas. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a faux pas. Yeah. Yeah, boo, if you're asking me. All right. All right. Breakers are out. Breakers are out. Well, I'm critical of, in, oh. in some ways, I'm also critical of the Maulers. Okay. I think that not a great name in general. But what I'm really critical of is their emblem of like a guy, like a blue collar worker, hard hat guy yep. uh, with a sledgehammer. Right. Like you're not like, what is he mauling? Like, do, am I confused? <laughs> is there a miscommunication here about what mauling is? Maybe. Because I don't think that, like, if I was to maul with a sledgehammer, I don't think that's that ends up. Yeah, you, you don't maul with a sledgehammer. I, I would appreciate it more if it was the Maulers M-A-L-L. Oh, and their logo was a guy shopping. Yes. A morning, perhaps a morning mall walker. Yes, exactly. A mauler. You know, I would say I would appreciate that too. And of course, we all know Pittsburgh's hot shopping scene. <laughs> right, of course. Known the country round. That makes a lot of sense. They always, they always say Pittsburgh is on the forefront of the fashion industry. They do say that. They do say that. Like, Milan is one, Fashion Week in Pittsburgh is two. Right. And there's a huge drop-off. Gigantic drop-off. Right, exactly. I would, I would also propose that after the presumed success of the USFL, let's really put some spice in this sea and let's uh, expand it to Minnesota Ooh. and make them the Maulers. Also the Maulers. Okay. Two Maulers, one M-A-U-L, one M-A-L. Wow, what a rivalry. That's exact. that's what I mean. The rivalry of the Maulers. We, in the last 30 seconds of this podcast, made the USFL 10 times more interesting. We know, we have a five-year plan that's ready to go pretty much. A five-year success plan. Tony, I, I think there's only one clear choice here. It's the Birmingham Stallions. Oh, not what I hear you say. They got O'Shea Dugas. They got Vic Bolden. Their quarterback is a guy named Alex McLeod, who I didn't know about, but seeing his picture, great Irish last name, big arm sleeve tattoo, two pillars of being a great quarterback in, in football. So I'm putting my stock in the Birmingham Stallions here. I feel like I have a little bit of pressure that I have to use as part of the podcast, even though that would not have been my choice at all. There's a lot of allegiance that is already in our DNA. And it has to be the gambler. Because of Jim Keller? I I just assumed that I would go with gambler based on Jim Keller. But I did find an article that has the breakdown home away exactly what the uniforms are like. uniforms. Yeah. So you're analyzing this in the moment. Right. I would say the gamblers have a pretty strong uniform situation happening, definitely updated from the Jim Kelly era. However, I tell you what, I am, and this is controversial, I think, for many. I really like the Michigan Panthers uniform. It's a cool uniform. Are those the, like, the gold and blue and maroon? Yeah, gold and blue and maroon is absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. That, that, those do look those do look slick. Yeah. I'll give you that. And I appreciate like the big swing that they took by putting blue into that, and it's working for me. I like the Stars uniforms also. I, so you're the Stars a... uniforms, that's the gold and red. Yeah. Those look like, a lot like uniforms that I used to make in uh, like Madden franchise mode. <laughs> right, create, create a franchise. Just, yeah, that would be like the common scheme <laughs> I would use is what they have going on. Right. All right, so you're all the way on one side with the gamblers. I'm all the way on one side with, who did I even choose? I forget their names already. This is how good this league is. The Birmingham Stallions. I think we're in the middle. 
on the Michigan Panthers. I think we're going to have to go Michigan Panthers. I think that's all right because I'm also I'm judging each of these team cards and the way this article by the jersey is designed. It's it has like the tweet of each team as they reveal their uniforms. Michigan and I'm I'm judging them on their social media teams, sort of like what they put as their as the words of their tweet. Of course, Michigan Panthers put ready for the hunt. Oh, okay. Yeah. A witty, a witty conference. Yep. It's a ready to ride. Yeah. The Philadelphia Stars, I think, is a little, I don't know. It's like, it's like too kidded to be intimidating. Okay. Their, their captain was, home and aways are out of this world. Well, not surprising coming from a, a lazy nickname like the Stars. That's a good point. That's a good point. Right. New Jersey Generals, I think, probably have the strongest. And they have, there's just a battle ready, and there's five star emojis. Okay. That's. Straightforward, kind of strong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's say pocket aces with a club. No, like with a club emoji. Yeah, get out. Wait a minute, too. Don't worry. And also, there are no aces. Like I don't, I don't know what aces is. Also, is Houston known for gambling? Like you got Vegas, you got Atlantic City. Like, re- is Houston really like the gambling hotspot that I don't know about? Sure. I wonder if there's three. But was Sam Houston himself some sort of known gambler? I don't know. All right, so Michigan, you are officially backed by the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast. Congratulations, Michigan. Congratulations, Michigan. Uh, Tony, we got real football. To- no, I can't say that. These, these guys deserve our respect in the USFL. We got Bills football to talk about, though. A lot of news happening. You ready to, to queue up some Bills stuff? Let's talk Bills. Baby. Let's talk some Bills. Marv, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight. Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, some Bills news to get into. Probably the biggest news of this week regarding the Bills. The first of the year fan advisory board meeting occurred, correct? Our first off-season fab, fab meeting. Give, give, advisory board meeting. Give us an overview. What do you want to know, Hot Shot? I, I want to know everything. I want to know what was discussed. What? How did these meetings go like is it just a bunch of ideas thrown on the table and you're like okay let's pick and choose which ones to just discuss further are there any bills representatives there there's yeah there's seven bills representatives oh wow so i was as, as uh we've mentioned i was in dc at the time lobbying heavy for congress to inter- intervene and change the overtime rules okay however i think it's like pay for the bill stadium yeah now that would be worthwhile lobbying effort yeah being effort, right so I was on Zoom along with maybe about five or six other fans that were can that are Canadian. Of course. And then we were watching regionalization. So, right. And then we were watching sort of the meeting take place in the press box that was a line of about, I don't know, ten or eleven fans on the board and then opposite of them just like facing long table facing long table representatives from each bill department okay wow the thing so a a major portion of the meeting um was about uh tickets and ticket increases price increases season ticket holder sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um uh, you know uh the pro and the process that surrounds good process uh, drop <laughs> thank you yeah and the process and the process that surrounds renewing your ticket upgrading your ticket paying for tickets a lot of it had to do with that okay that was, that was a major part of the conversation i was able to successfully kind of derail the conversation very good way to go into <laughs> uh what i was happy to talk about which was you know what is getting sent out and basically what the bill said and, and what i mean is like the, for, the physical form of ticket or digital form of ticket okay so what the bill said is that eventually you know we're we're clinging to the cards as an option and yep. then if you lose your card 
then they would print paper tickets because once the card is printed, your tickets only exist there. Like you cannot, they cannot be transferred. They, they like, like something gets canceled out that once the card is printed, it's kind of over. So then if you lose your card, you have to search the paper ticket. Right. Um, or digital. And so they were kind of saying like, yeah, you know, a lot of teams have exclusively digital tickets. We haven't made that full transition yet, but the numbers are definitely increasing. They're keeping an eye on that data of who's using the digital tickets and coming into the stadium with that versus who's coming in with cards. And we, the board kind of consensus, or it seemed like the tone of the board was, we want the card or at least something physical to acknowledge that we are going to this game or we went to this game. Interesting. Um, you know, like for me, I've been a student with the 2014. I have, you know, I have all my cards. Right. And I like having all my cards. And so, like, some ideas are thrown around about something else gets printed or if, like, you can go or if when you go to the stadium, you can, like, scan a QR code and get something printed okay. um, for yourself at, like, a kiosk or something like that. I feel like that's a <laughs> big point, like, that's missed. Before the digital age, before digital tickets, if you went to a memorable game, you, like, kept that ticket and you, like, cherished that ticket and maybe framed yeah. that ticket. And that's gone now, right? Yeah. There, and there's a lot of things that are gone with that. You know, like season ticket holder pins and window decals used to be a thing. Yeah. And those are, no, they're not a thing. So like anything, that's what we're saying is anything that ever got sent out beyond an email was in heavy conversation. And they were kind of understanding of that and trying to come up with ideas of like, okay, so what can we have to supplement when we do go fully digital, fully phone based? What will there be to supplement? And uh, a lot of ideas were thrown around about that. A lot of ideas around the table. Oh, interesting. So I would be let's, I, I would be happy to have a physical cards thing. forever. Yeah. Yeah, a physical thing or something that there's confidence in a backup scenario. I mean man, we've all been to a tailgate. Is my phone gonna survive every tailgate <laughs> for my life? I, I I cannot make that guarantee. It's risky. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's it's a risky war zone out there. A lot of us said like, well, we like having the backup just in case the phone dies, just in case the phone gets broken, just in case the phone gets frozen. Sure. It's that real. And I wondered unsuccessfully, kind of brought it up, but yeah, not successfully. Was the jump this year in digital ticket usage a result of you already had to have your phone off for an Excelsior panel? That could be, you know, very well. Like, that was, that was kind of my thought. And then I'm also thinking, do, do we have the stats on who's using an Excelsior pass versus who's going to their physical card? Yes. Is the, you know, how is that kind of playing into it? But that was, that was one thought I had. That, so that was, that was one of the topics brought up. I kind of wonder if the digital ticket is to deter the, the, extremely drunk people from entering the stadium like they're too drunk to actually digitally pull up their ticket like it's it's too confusing in their drunken stupor they're right texting their ex-girlfriend right instead of, instead of a physical ticket where they could just they just reach in their pocket and show it, you know or scan it yeah. whatever i mean that is it does honestly to take that to another level that does honestly feel like kind of the direction of some of these bills officials is that so much of what they do is surrounding proactively eliminating issues surrounding drunken action. Yes. And they were, and they're very quick to share the stats on cut and paste this conversation for the last 30 years. Right. Right. <laughs> and they're very quick to share the stats on incidents and arrests at each game. Okay. This was the look. This is the lowest year for ejections ever. Did, did, uh, did they count yeah. arresting my heart when they got rid of the Jills? Oh, wow. I'm very intrigued by that. I already have my tickets. I already know how to digitally access them. Let's talk about the Jills. Are they coming back? Are the stampede moving? Uh, I, I can give you a direct quote from a Bills official. 
on this. No. The Bills lost three years ago. Has anyone noticed? Yes. Did you say yes? I did not say yes, because that's actually the the portion of our meeting that surrounded, that was only briefly mentioning the Jills, just sort of anecdotally. Right. Because uh, it was, actually came from what at least a question that I asked, maybe several people also answered, because we could also submit questions prior to the meeting oh. um, to be put on the agenda. And one of the things I brought up was, in game entertainment, the stampede, what are we seeing at halftime, that sort of thing. Right. So apparently... Why isn't Warren G there? Exactly. Why right. isn't Warren G there? Right. We have, like, these opportunities are obvious. Well, this is actually useful information. This is something I was intrigued to know. So the NFL this year had regulations on who could be on the field due to COVID. Only very specific and limited people and circumstances could be on the field. So it basically eliminated the possibility of outside halftime entertainment like that. The idea of like bringing in a marching band from a college or a high school was out. Mm-hmm. They could not be on the field during during the game. So basically, pretty much their, their hands were kind of tied. It was like, well, we're just going to have to use and overuse the stampede as much as we can because we could get them on the field and nobody else. You know what you should have retorted with is you know what is entertaining 100% of the time and its participants are masked 100% of the time mascot game at halftime wow that is that never fails perry's ice cream guy buster bison billy buffalo get them all out there as a former mascot myself i love a mascot <laughs> right and they're always masked right. you're killing two birds with one stone it's entertaining it's family friendly there's nothing like seeing Buster buys and give a give a good stiff arm to the Perry's ice cream ice cream cone. I do <laughs> find me like find me any story. better entertainment than that outside of the Bills actually playing. <laughs> it sounds like you think maybe the Jills. I don't care honestly. I just associate football and cheerleading together in some regard. I mean, it just historically. So if I have a five hundred piece jigsaw puzzle and I completed it and I'm missing one piece, it's like. Well, this was a waste. It doesn't feel complete, obviously. And the Jills, the Jills are the one missing piece. Well, I mean, this thing makes perfect sense for you considering you went to an all-boy high school. So <laughs> exactly. This is all adding up. 20 years of angst. 20 years, yeah, exactly. Coming full circle. Every football game over at Kinesis was incomplete. Um, it really was. Yeah. Well, anyway, you just, You're not wrong. You guys went to really got them going on over there. You're not wrong. So would you say it was, uh, give me one word. Would you say it's int- it was interesting, productive? Like, what would you say the meeting was for your first go around? I would say it was, it's a little tough because I was kind of, I was kind of a bystander in it to being on Zoom. Like the real action was in the room. So I'm really looking forward to being in the room when it happened. Okay. And yep. I would, and I was, you know, I mean, I was timing what I could in the chat, but I think it was more powerful for the people that were in there. Sure. However, so much of the meeting, like I would say, I would say the portion of the meeting that was about the physical tickets was productive because I agreed with that take. Mm-hmm. I was also advocating, you know, sort of the same thing. And then the latter part of the meeting, that's a lot, the part of the meeting that was about like renewal and that whole process, I was kind of in and out. Like, I, I don't care about any of this. Like, I, I know I'm just going to ignore the situation. It's going to be renewed and whatever. Right. A lot of people worry about like a lot of these logistical things that I'm just like, I don't feel like I even have a stake in. Um, but, but the portion of the meeting then after, the last sort of bit of the meeting was to deal with our prior submitted questions. Okay. And those questions, I think there were a lot of them this time because it was our first meeting and our first opportunity to do it. So a lot of us, you know, that had kind of like been sitting on these questions for a while, mm-hmm. just like threw them in. So I thought it was productive to 
sort of hear hear that variety, hear that overall, hear the thing, and all, and to hear the things that you know I asked about, and oh, other people asked about them. So that's like validating, and that's a real you know something that people are are sort of thinking about. And so I also asked about what I thought was interesting is that this meeting was Wednesday night, Thursday morning. What was the big bills news going around? That's when the news broke that the bills were probably leaning towards like eyeing up Tampa Fisher. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, and that, so that came out of a USA Today article that, according to sources, Matt, I am not the source. So that took you heard it here first. I did ask that question, but I am not the source. Oh, you're the saying there's some leaks? The leaks out of the fan advisory board? That when we hear about training camp at Fisher Thursday morning, the news breaks. According to anonymous sources, there is a, there is a leak in the fan advisory board. Oh, you turn off your phone right now. They're they're spying on you. They're listening. They're listening to this whole thing. I mean, it's not a leak. Granted, I'm using an entire segment on a podcast to literally say everything that was said. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, who am I? However, I, I did find it was interesting because I know I am not that source, but somebody else was, was quick to leak that. Get, now, I will, get down to the bottom of it. I will. I will I'll, Guessing it was Steve. Fucking Steve. Damn it, you know, Steve. I do have a scoop that I'm quick to share because the story goes deeper. Share away. So, Matt, I hope that you play some, like, you know, sort of, sort of, Mystery murder mystery podcast music behind me as I say that. That's like the two layers of layers of this onion. When the question was asked about training camp, they said this year we're looking at Fisher. We're having meetings often and discussing a lot with the president to, of Fisher to be able to make it happen. Okay. Then to answer, I know I asked my question in a in a format that was short term and long term. What to do with training camp? And then he go and then he starts up with his two words: long term. Dot dot dot. We're looking at many options. Now, here, here are the options that he said. His third option that he said was going back to Fisher, mm-hmm. which made me relieved as someone who lives in Rochester and goes to Bill's camp every day during summer. Hashtag Tony Sweet's camp, yep. Hashtag Tony Sweet's camp, exactly. <laughs> and his fourth option that he said was Orchard Park on the Bill's campus okay. building a facility. Ooh. Which I found intriguing that he would say, build a facility. So it's not just going to be in the stadium. And that made me feel a little bit relieved about how they value, you know, public practices and training camps. Okay. As, as opposed to, you know, like last summer when there's like three or four practices that you can come to in the stadium and then everything else is just private or right. media only. Right. The second option that he said was, he said, and I quote, a university, a Western New York university. Interesting is what I thought. Yeah, now, if we think that literally, what are the Western New York universities? Sophie is a university. Right. Niagara is a university. Right. But and everything else, the college? But Niagara doesn't have a football team. Yeah, well, um, that's, a good, that's a good point. But however, I will remind you that they don't. at Fredonia for 30 years. Fredonia also does not have a football team. All you need is the Green States, really. Yeah, I guess. I did see an article, or corresponding article in the Buffalo News this week about how some colleges locally were considering applying for university status, such as Canisius College. So I saw the headline as well. Are all the dots are all the dots being connected right now? Perhaps they are, but I'll tell you this is what I thought was the most interesting. It was the first one that he mentioned. But to me that means at the forefront of his mind, the first option he mentioned. Hang on to your seat for this one, man. Oh boy. Lasertron. Southern Ontario. Oh wow. Hmm. Oh oh wow is right. I don't think too many people would be happy about that. I don't think that they would. I would not be. What are they even talking, like Hamilton, Mississauga, like that Southern Ontario? 
Uh, do you know another Southern Ontario? I don't know. Maybe you mean on- Maybe you just outside of Ontario, New York, right near the Wayne, New York border. Not up to date on my provinces. Sorry, don't. Yeah, well, it shows. <laughs> I'm like, why? I'm like, I can't believe you said that first. And it also, you were speechless. It's interesting. Is, is the is the regionalization plan still kind of never ending, but only being reinvented, mm-hmm. in away from the the Rochester regionalization ideals to now a Southern Ontario regionalization ideal? Interesting. Are they trying to? Are they trying to say a little apology move for the border being closed? And they couldn't get them in, or hmm. but that, that could be. That scared. And even even Southern Ontario being in Austin had me a little scared. I mean, anything but Fisher has me a little scared. Fisher, Fisher's your number one top choice, of course. You, you being there, I always like the Fisher experience. I'm I'm glad they're considering bringing it back. I hope they do this year. I, I just think it's a nice setup. I mean. You got the two fields, you got kind of, you know, the walking pad. Like, I just think it's kind of, I like the camaraderie of the team staying in the dorms. Like, I, I'd, I'd be okay with that. The team seems very receptive of the fans kind of being, you know, personally accessible or physically accessible, I should say. Um, for like autographs and high fives if they choose and pictures and whatnot. You're, you're too far away. Like you're on the other side of the wall. Right. You know, like you're exactly. too far away. There's all the, there's all the bench area between you and the player. Yeah. Right. This is like I'm. I'm right there. You. You might take a catch and and land on a arena football. Uh, yeah. When you're running between fields, you might high five me. You might. I don't yeah. even know what is going to happen. You, you might know. slip on a mat in front of me. You. You might. I'm like Kevin Carr. I. You know. I that that training camp summer. Like I feel like I saw. I know I didn't actually see it happen, but I just have such vivid memories of continually looking down the tunnel that enters the field and looking at the mat. <laughs> and even seeing like one mat, like how they weren't like perfectly together, and I just like had this vision of like it happening, and so to the point where I feel like I did see it happen, even though I know I didn't. But I was constantly looking at that mat, and being like, "That's the fucking mat. <laughs> Somebody's gonna break their ankle on that mat." And that the mat, and that's why listeners to this day, Tony cannot walk on mats. Major phobia with him. Yeah, I'm a matophobic. <laughs> matophobic. He's reluctant to even be on this podcast because my name is Matt. <laughs> I was wondering how you're going to turn that in. Turn that up here? Oh, I, oh, I turned it. <laughs> well done. You know, honestly, Tony, I, I'd say it's a, a big week for Rochester in general. Like, kudos to you. I mean, you get news that training camp might be coming back, news that a bar, a barbell might be coming to Rochester. Matt, can I just explain to you how close this barbell is to my house? I mean, we talked about the Rex erection. What about the Rochester erection? <laughs> like, Correct. How excited are you about the barbell? That also sounds too much like Rochester erection. Okay. Which yo, know, I thought about that when we said Rex erection too. I'm like, man, that sounds a lot like a <laughs> like a Rex erection. Yeah, and something nobody ever wants to think about. Only something. Only Mark Sanchez. Ooh, going personal on another member of the media. Barville, I can't even explain to you. Like this Barville proposed location is so close to my house. I'm so excited about it, and my. I have to assume that my house value is going to double over <laughs> by the presence of this place. I mean, I am walking distance. Yeah. So I really have to, uh, I, I really think it's going to benefit my quality of life and my liquid assets. Yes. I mean, this this is a life-changing moment for you, Tony. It's really, it, in many ways, it truly is. <laughs> the worst, if, if, we can, if we can keep camp, grab barbell, then we truly have it all. And you got rid of the mouse. You're really flying. 
sky high here lately. Yeah, Started from the bottom, now we're here. Let's forget to my water. It's golden hot right now. <laughs> yes, he's got hot water for days, people. You do, which is B-pub. for a significant amount of time. So, <laughs> well, that's a big deal. <laughs> In the middle of winter, that is a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's big, big news for Rochester. I hope it all works out for you, Tony. Let's talk about the team on the field, though. Saran Neal signs before free agency gets underway here. Three years, almost $11 million. That's a lot for a core special teams player. I think he was on your F when we did our F Mary kill a couple episodes ago. Wasn't he? Wasn't Saran Neal your, your guy? We'll have, to, we'll have to go back and check the tape. Yeah, and uh, I, I believe I did say that because I remember my justification being that he's under the radar enough yes. on a national sort of perception. And three years is like a perfect F contract. Oh, no, I think one year. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to do that. We're not protecting the next day. He is a core special teams player. In my opinion, he's the best special teams player we have. Gunner makes many tackles, makes many big, impactful special teams plays. In 2021 alone, he had a career-high 12 special teams tackles, ranked second on the team. PFF, however listeners want to value PFF grades, had him as an 85 overall, which which is very high, also career-high for him. Still, that's over $3 million dedicated to a guy primarily on special teams. Now, it came out after... The news broke of the contract signing and the extension that it was predicated on him getting more involved in the defense. I don't know how I feel about that, Tony. I mean, he's okay. I don't know if I want him being like a 40% snap guy after the year's over. That, that's what's scary a little. Well, I agree. Now, who do they, if they want, I mean, I know that he wants to be more involved in the defense. I think that that's kind of where it comes right. from. You think they're throwing the ball and like, oh yeah, we'll get you more involved in the defense and then never. Go ahead and sign. Go ahead and sign. We'll get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, it's kind of important down. We cannot actually do this. And like, they're all important down. Right. But I think he's a liability at corner. Yeah. For the most part. Like outside corner. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's fast enough. I think he's a good athlete, but I just don't think he has the the skill set to play outside corner. I, we did see him in a couple like heavy packages later in the year, specifically yeah. against the Patriots, that I thought worked really well um, when they inserted him into like these heavy run specific packet run defense specific packages. He's a good tackler again, but a coverage liability. So yeah, maybe they're just throwing him a bone here. We'll get you in next place, Saran. <laughs> Don't worry. And then they never do. Uh, what he said after he signed his contract, I think that would resonate with me the most in terms of he wanted to be here because it's more than a football team. It's a family. And the one thing he said is the team sticks together and they don't break off at any time. They're texting each other. They they got each other's back. It kind of shows me the process works. <laughs> and and just like sound bites like that is kind of going into this whole like Josh is out there recruiting. Stefan Diggs is out there recruiting during the Pro Bowl. I think players see this and see the success and the continued success and the improved success throughout the years of this McBean era of this Josh era. And I, I think that's an, it's endearing to to someone in free agency or looking for a change of scenery. So I, I like everything Saran Neal said, and I hope it translates to free agents giving us, you know, Matt Milano as deals. I thought Matt Milano would get signed for a lot more and he took a hometown discount kind of thing. So, but I liked everything he said, I'm not crazy about the dollars, but 
we'll see, we'll see when the final figures come out if how much of that is in incentives and bonuses and how much of that is against the cap. But I, I'm okay with this in the end. I would say I largely agree. I'm okay with it. And I trust Brandon Bean enough to have a well-balanced contract enough for that's going to be team benefit, especially because is that of that he wants to be a bill. Yeah. And we're also in agreement with that. And by we, I mean the bills run off. And the fact that Yeah, yeah, exactly. To add on to what you were saying about like the things that he said, you know, and, and how that helps on the grand scale of free agency, I think actions speak louder than words. And I think that in terms of in the actions, it's that it's it's more the actions of the bills. And it's that tweet that was going around heavy, the field the eighth tweet that uh, that kind of broke down like the success of all of you know that draft class for the mm, bills, right? Including now Saran Neal. And I think that that kind of shows and underscores a quote that I always think about of Sean McDermott. Of uh, you know, it's just another example of a player coming to Buffalo and becoming the best version of himself. And I think that to see now Saran Neal's success is an Super awesome special teamer, you know, where his, his, his draft capital or his draft matches, his draft allegories would be forgotten players, players that are cut, players that are now in the USFL. It's kind of like, and he rises above to get, to get paid like that. I think that that underscores, I hope, uh, the perception of other players as they're getting recruited. Saran is a great example of a player who comes to Buffalo and becomes the best version of himself. Um, you can become the best version of yourself when you're on the bill. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The other thing he said, which I, I liked, and I think a lot of players have resonated this message when they signed their contract extensions. Josh, I remember saying the same thing last year when he signed his big deal. He said something along the lines of, yeah, I got the contract, but I still have to earn the contract. And I think that I, I, I like that attitude as well. So like I said, the process seems to be working. And you mentioned that what is 2018 draft class and how good that looks. Man, being really... Hit that out of the park. I mean, not only Josh, franchise quarterback for the next 15 plus years, Tremaine Edmonds, who he's solid. Yeah, he's he's, he's good. I mean, we 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 bag on him from time to time and, you know, he's not our favorite. And but, you know, he's he's solid. Harrison Phillips, who obviously broke out this year, who I I think the Bills are going to bring back. Taron Johnson, cornerstone, a slot corner. Uh, Saran Neal, Wyatt Teller, who turned out to be an All Pro or Pro Bowl guard for another team, for another team, but still good, good draft pick. And Ray Ray McLeod, who is still in the league, the Steelers is a, a pretty good kick returner and punt returner. So that that's a that's a heck of a a hit rate that for Brandon Bean in that in that 2018 draft. So good for him. But yeah, I mean, we mentioned the free agents that we hope the Bills bring back last episode. So Saraniel was, was obviously one of them, and now with, with a new special teams coordinator and Matt Smiley, we'll see if he can uh, he can continue that that good track record he's he's had over the past couple of years. I mean, he's good enough that the, the Chiefs had to like triple team him on one punt return. So I guess I guess that counts for something. I guess that means you're you're pretty good at your job and on special teams. So yeah, I'm good with it. Tony, we go from the field to the beach. The other news, Josh is on vacation. I know you're excited about this, but he's it's who he's on vacation with that I find interesting. Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, and Christian Kirk. Two Christian Kirk is yeah, Christian Kirk is the curveball here. Christian Kirk is the curveball. They all drafted the same year, obviously, but that that could be like the Bills offensive room <laughs> like next year, come September. I I'm 
don't know about Christian Kirk. Like he's he's the one, obviously, that that sticks out of like, oh, is Josh recruiting? And we mentioned about these guys getting recruited by the Bills, current Bills players. Spot track has his market value, Christian Kirk, that is. His market value at like twelve million. That's a lot of money for for a guy for a guy that's been a little underwhelming his career so far. And and it and maybe it goes to the point that you spoke about last week of like, you know, do we just grab these guys who have obviously have talent that maybe that talent hasn't been realized and let Josh just let these guys be the their best selves. Christian Kirk is someone who always to have a big total in the free agency market and then disappear. Right. So I mean, I do I think that would happen if he was a bill? No, I do not think that would happen if he was a bill. I think that he would come to Buffalo and become the best version of himself. But I think I, I'm usually like I'm usually not in favor of big wide receiver signing. Because mm-hmm. you can also have a medium wide receiver signing and then all of a sudden they have a big season, a la John Brown. Right. And so I'm like, I think you can you can get what they're gonna bring to the table for for cheaper, you just have to find the right person for your system and find the right match for you. Otherwise, you're just going to have an Adam Humphrey situation or a Curtis Samuel situation. And the list goes on of yeah. these people that got big contracts when they found everything else. And those teams, you know, it didn't, it, it, they disappeared. Like these were names that we used to know really well. Right. <laughs> and, then they, uh, and then they disappeared. So, I mean, I kind of hope that. If we do get someone else that we think is going to be like in our top three for, uh, or boost our offense in some way, is it Christian Kirk? I mean, that'd be cool, but I don't, I definitely don't want to overpay for him. I only want Christian Kirk on a sweet deal. Yeah. It's like, would you rather have Christian Kirk for 12 million or Isaiah McKenzie for half that? I think I'd rather have Isaiah McKenzie for half that, honestly. Isaiah McKenzie all day, as I sang about in the opening of the show. Exactly. I really, I'm really hoping Isaiah McKenzie is on the, Things in red, white, and blue. Yeah. I'm not talking about the Giants. Even though that's what I think is going to happen. Right. Christian Kirk did have his best year as a pro last year. 77 catches, close to 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. So he is on kind of the up and up, and that's probably why Track has his market value as high as it is. Like I say, just give me a guy who maybe is half that. Maybe like a Zach Pascal for like 4 or $5 million. <laughs> like 12 is a lot for a guy who's had four years in this league and, and one of them being mm-hmm. above average, I'd say. Are we are we sharing for a second? It's also a second round pick. What's that? Are we are we sharing who we hope the Bills sign? Like you said, Zach Pascal. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, are we, like, are we opening the floodgates here of who we, who we target in these situations? We we can. Do you want to take a break first? It's up to you. You're not, you're, you're you're hosting the shit out of this. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. Do we do we have anything else to say about Josh being on vacation before we get into our free agents? I, I hope there's some recruitment going on because all those guys would look great in red, white, and blue. There you go. There you go. I also, uh, just quick note, Josh, put on some shoes. I saw a picture where he was the only one not wearing shoes. Mm. I don't want anything. I don't want anything happening. I don't want him stepping on a jellyfish, like getting pinched by a crab. Like, keep those keep those feet nice and fresh, Josh, for, for the running from September through February. <laughs> We need those feet, feet at their 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 best. But but enjoy yourself, enjoy the beach life while you can, because <laughs> it's back because it's back to work pretty soon. Back to Hamilton shows. I hope so too. I wonder what Broadway show they're going to attend this year. Tony, that's all I got. You ready to talk free agency? Let's open those floodgates. Let's open the floodgates. All right, we'll be back after the break. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. 
Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now back to the show. And we are back. Floodgates wide open. Let's get into free agency. We are on the precipice of free agency starting. Of course, we mentioned Saraniel being the first pin to drop with resigning with the Bills. Tony, let's talk about some. We talked about guys in the past couple episodes who we want them, the Bills to bring back who were on the team last year. Some Bills that were at are currently still on the team who might be uh, cut or keep candidates. Let's talk about unrestricted free agents who are not on the team that the Bills can target. Let's do three offensive players this week. We'll do defense next week. Offensive players this week who you'd like to see the Bills target. There's no rhyme or reason to this. You could stay within the cap. You can think about the cap situation and, or, or not. I, I mean, I, I have trust in Brandon Bean that he'll work it out no matter what. If they want to go out there and make a big splash that he'll, he'll make the financials work out somehow. So uh, I didn't, I didn't really consider that, but I, but I kind of went with some, some high value guys in, in my opinion, maybe not breaking the bank, but Tony, give me your, give me your first player who you think the bill should consider in free agency. As I went to list, I just started scrolling down. I was not interested in anyone's top. Well, when I say high va- when I say high value, I mean I think the the price is right for the production, not necessarily not necessarily the most expensive guys, but okay. Well, so I scrolled I scrolled down as well. Long story short, <laughs> here's a player that I I'm hope- I think can be a solid weapon. I think and solid depth, but I also think that he. Is super talented. I loved him coming out of the draft. I was really hoping that we got him. And I'm hoping he does actually test the free agent market and hit the free agent market. And that is uh, someone who also, in that sense, feels like a Brandon Bean player and that he's just like, not super flashy, but just like, just kind of solid. And I think that him coming into the culture would find uh, the best version of them. That's out of Pittsburgh, James Washington. Oh. Okay. I love I like love James Washington as a player. I loved him in the when he was getting drafted, as I said. Um, and he's just like the kind of player that is good and trustworthy and does it right. And uh, you know, I my only fear is that like well, he's coming out of the flashiness of the Pittsburgh wide receiver room. Um, but I I like James Washington. I would I would I think he'd be a, a nice addition to uh, a wide receiver room that might be seeing some turnover. Uh, it's off yeah. Loved him coming out of Oklahoma State in the draft as well. You're absolutely right. And still in his prime, only 25 years old. I feel like he's been like underutilized in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, of course, is always a wide receiver factory. They just churn out wide receivers who are good ever since like I'm going all the way back to like Emmanuel Sanders. And they just like, OK, you can go off to Denver or wherever and we'll find uh, another guy, Martavius Bryant. Martavius Bryant, you're gone. We'll find Eli Rogers. Eli Rogers, like they just they just. I don't know. They're they're made on an assembly line. These Steelers wide receivers, but James Washington. You look at his stats and not that impressive. So, and could come true. Could come true. Right. That's what I'm saying. Twenty 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 one is a down year for him. Only twenty four catches, two touchdowns, two hundred eighty five yards. Like you can you can get a, a high quality guy on the cheap, and maybe this is just a guy who who needs a change of scenery. Because when I have seen him play, like I kind of like his game. <laughs> I was excited to see him on the free agency list, but his time is coming around. Uh, and I hope Pittsburgh kind of thinks, like, eh, yeah, he hasn't really shown up. Like, he hasn't really brought us anything so far. And I'm like, oh, well, good, because he can bring something to some other team, because I still think he offers a lot. Right, especially a Pittsburgh team who might be 
And I say might. Might be rebuilding now that Roethlisberger is retired. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to go into the season with Mason Rudolph at quarterback? I highly doubt that. I think they're either... Uh, I, I don't. They're either gonna draft a a, a guy high um, this year, or they're gonna make a splash in free agency or a trade. So it, it'll be interesting. But he seems like a forgotten guy. You see uh, guys like Pat Fryermuth come come along and and really take away catches from James Washingtons of the world. So uh, yeah, I think he could just he could be a little undervalued. I think that could be a, a really solid play. And when you look at the receiver core on this team the bills team that is like i I think we need a guy (laughs) like honestly if like Diggs is gonna get extended i know you don't think he is but he was uh gabe davis is i had a little bit of a breakout in the playoffs as we all know and hopefully that translates to season-long success we don't know what we have in isaiah hodgson we like his college tape we like his preseason tape we need to see it in the regular season sanders emmanuel sanders unrestricted free agent so who knows if he'll be back? Cole Beasley, cut keep candidate last year of his contract. Who knows if he'll be back? It, it's kind of thin when you think about it, this wide receiver yeah. group. So, I mean, a lot of people are talking about the idea of Gabriel Davis, you know, sticking that starting spot, which I think he more than deserves. Right. Like, I know I'm a big Gabriel Davis fan here, but no, think about how much Gabriel Davis is, in fact, utilized as it stands now, as number four. Right. We need number four now. You know, I mean, this is real. So, and it and it could be Isaiah Hodgins. I'm waiting for his time to come patiently. Uh, or we could just play James Washington, who I'm a fan of. Yeah, no, I, I think it. I think it's a good choice. Who, like I said, could come on the cheap after a down year. Uh, for my first choice, I am going to a tight end because really we only have one tight end on this roster. Um, um, I, I don't know. And, it, and it's and it's a little troublesome to me. <laughs> When Dawson Knox went down last year, I mean, I like Tommy Sweeney. Josh says he's the most interesting man on the planet. I haven't seen it yet, but hopefully I will one day. But I, I don't think he's anything close to a replacement for Knox. I like to see kind of an upgrade there. Um, another guy who has had kind of a down year after a hot start coming out of Alabama, obviously highly recruited first round pick. I'm going to hope the Bills get OJ Howard. I know he's been, I know he's been the talk of a lot of, mid-season trades in, in Bill's world. But, you know, I, I think it's I think it's time for a little change of scenery, uh, a new coaching staff. Obviously, O.J. Howard, as we know from his draft profile and the backstory on him, like highly sought after, highly athletic, elite athleticism. I was reading his draft profile, elite athleticism. And the one thing that stood out, we talked about last week, Tony, has the ability to be a playmaker, a high ceiling for a playmaker. I, I want to see a guy who's a playmaker. If Knox goes down, somebody who can step up. His first two years in the league, he had five touchdowns and six touchdowns. He, if anything, he's a red zone threat. Like yeah. just a guy who will like go up and get the ball if if you need if you need someone to to win a jump ball. Like I and I think if you get that as your second tight end, if I think that's pretty good. And like I said, he's twenty seven. He kind of, after a 2020 Achilles injury, kind of was the forgotten man in Tampa Bay after Gronk signed and Cameron Brake came along. After those two, after that hot start, his first two years, this might be like his last chance, like to to kind of prove he can be in this league. So that that's that's a guy I want to take a chance on, especially being uh, having all the the physical attributes he does with with his athleticism. So you know he's never had over 34 receptions, but 
again, like there's a lot of potential there for a guy who who this might be make or break for him. So that that's my pick. I agree with you. I had him on my list of potentials of like, oh, who do I really want to talk about here? And I'm intrigued by the tight end market in general, man. This this off season, um, there's a lot of guys on this. There's a lot of guys coming up for free agency that we kind of like always talked about maybe trading for. Are they kind of on the trade block? Uh, is it someone? But And it's a lot of these, you know, uber-athletic type guys, which I think Dawson, you know, is kind of into. So right. you kind of have to decide, do you want to use another roster spot on someone who's like Dawson Knox and that like uber-athletic tight end? Or do you want it to use on more like a Lee Smith style, someone who can block a little bit more? And I tell you, when it's an athlete like O.J. Howard, I feel like I just can't say no. I'm so intrigued by it. Right, I know. You know, especially what could we do? always remember. Yeah, we we always remember coming out of uh, him coming out of the draft and like how highly touted he was. And yeah. How there was so much buzz surrounding him and his crazy athleticism. And it's like, well, yeah. And like, what if a team was able to use O.J. Howard the way that some of these more uh, athletic, the way that like in Atlanta, you know, uses their tight end. Right. The way that. The way if you if you use it right if you figure it out right which we might because the pressure's kind of off because Dalton Knox is in there too uh, and now you're giving him uh, you know Josh Allen's arm behind him maybe OJ Howard is exactly that kind of that kind of sort of thing and he was someone who has largely been disappointing but also in the shadow of others right in Tampa Bay and so that that kind of brings a recipe for for a discount. Right. If you ask me. Similarly to a lot of the points we were talking about with James Washington, um, maybe OJ Howard can kind of come in and can kind of come in and do that too. And then you look at like I think about to me, OJ Howard is the second of this this tight end, super athletic, like first round tight end that all the hype's around. Mm-hmm. And the first one, the original version of that is who? See, in my mind, the that version started or like that idea started with Eric out of Eric Ebron. I was gonna say Eric Ebron too. Right. Like Eric everything was Eric Ebron and then and then all of a sudden and then he becomes a nothing and then fast forward a few years I'm like, I've seen this movie before. Yeah, and but, he disappeared in Detroit. But he disappeared in Detroit and then he kinda had a career revitalization in Indy. Like just a guy who maybe needed a change of scenery. Right. Man, you're man, you're proving my point. This exactly. Is my point. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, this is this is what I'm saying. Is that, is that that's why it that's why it's a good idea. Like bring him here where he can be the best version of himself. Let's tap that. Uh, let's tap that crazy athleticism. Let's let's make him everything he ever we ever thought maybe he could have become. Right. Exactly. And Spotrek only has his estimated cap hit is two two point five. Yeah, two point two. I thought between two and two five. I that that seems like a lot of value to me. And Tony, let let's let's. Let's get real here. Let's real talk. It's about time the Bills get another OJ in the organization, right? It's been too long. Too long. And and to top that off, uh, Gronk was quoted as saying OJ Howard brings the juice as well. So I think that is extremely fitting for the Bills organization. (laughs) Yes, of course. Of course it is. Uh, Tony's second free agent target. OJ Howard sounds good. I am going to go with a, someone who, in my mind, is just slightly more established as a name. Uh, and I'm also intrigued by not only, you know, the kind of development that he's gone through and the super athleticism that he's going to bring, um, but I'm also intrigued by the pun that can come along from this, just like with O.J. Howard. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, out of Indy, Mo says no, but Tony says yes. <laughs> Give me Mo Alley Cox. Yeah. 
I, I I had a feeling you were gonna go there, and I was and I was actually looking at him too because he had in twenty twenty one his best year, and he's been progressively getting better the past three years. Obviously, mm-hmm. former basketball player, as everyone knows, out of VCU. Talk about a guy with athleticism. Mo Alley Cox is is that guy. He was a guy I was looking at too. So uh, I, I like that pick. Yeah, I mean, again, like we said, you know, I like the. The movement of getting some basketball players in at tight end, I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, that's the kind of, like, weapon weaponry we could use if you're looking for something to expand or someone to be able to expand the playbook. I think that's a good idea to have someone like Moelle Cox around. And I like someone who's athletic like that that can kind of, I think that we are taking our current fullback role or our fullback tight end hybrid role. I think that maybe we kind of are trying some things that are flying too close to the sun. Okay, so like if I'm picturing sometimes if we're like passing them in the flat and then like that always goes nowhere, you know, like it, it's right. only really, that position is only really good as a safety valve in the red zone, I think, and right. for blocking. So like, I really like the idea of opening up the flat, opening up some, opening up some, uh, what the hell is, what am I thinking of? What kind of route? Uh, <laughs> what, like some, some like swing passes, like the screen kind of things. Just some bubble screens, absolutely. The screen, some screen passes, getting someone like Loyola Cox in there to open up the playbook a little bit in doing that, because I feel like I saw way too many times that I see us kind of unsuccessfully do that um, this year, and just because we didn't have the right personnel. And so now I think to expand what Dawson Knox is able to do, add a little Moelle Cox on there, and then, uh, then we can really have another um, sort of brand of plays that we can anticipate working and diversify a little bit more. I'd be excited about it. Yeah, it feels like a guy who like picked up football. Like, like I always go back to like Chris Manhurts, who played for Keisha's College, just because he's local and I know him. Like, yeah, it, it takes it takes University. like Keisha's University. Yes, Ooh, I think he's with like the Saints now or the Panthers. He was with the Panthers. Um, I think he's with the Saints now. But anyway, but he he's only been playing football for like four years in like professional level, like you know college whatever uh Molly cox is the same like he played basketball at vcu he's only been in the league four years it feels like now is the time like he's really starting to get how to play or how to utilize his skill set uh to be the best football player he can be so uh you know you want to strike when the iron's hot obviously so i'm just worried his with his potential added to him having his best year of his career he's going to be a little much in like the the seven the six to eight range, I'd say. And that, that, that sounds like a little too much for my tight end two, who's maybe going to get like 30 to 40 catches. That's the only thing that works out is the financials. Well, yeah, we're just playing that game. (laughs) This is, this is in our gym, but I do think that in that, what's going to be helpful with that is this tight end market where you have, you have Hayden Hurst, you have, uh, Jesse James, you have the aforementioned OJ Howard, you have Joe. Uh, Njoku, you have Gronk. that competition. Right, the competition will drive prices down. I hope so. So I mean, that's that'd you know, be great. That's that's microeconomics right there. So, um, so I think that at least maybe this year works in our favor in that respect. I certainly hope so, Tony. That'd be great. I'd love to get some. I love to get some uh, highly productive or mildly productive players at a good value. That'd be great. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Next up for you. Next up for me, I'm going to the same team. I'm going right back to Indianapolis, and I'm going with running back Marlon Mack. 
I do love Marlon Mayo. You want to say no to Mo or don't say no to Mo. I want to have a Mac attack in Buffalo, Tony. Uh, you look at a guy who uh, maybe it's just me and my uh, and me liking guys with Achilles injuries because also like OJ Howard had an Achilles injury in 2020. Marlon Mack also had an Achilles injury in 2020. So um, maybe I'm just drawn to that. I don't know. But before that, 2018, 2019, 2,000 yards rushing, averaging 4.4 and 4.7 yards per carry those years, 18 touchdowns. Like he was the guy before his injury and before they drafted Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, of course, like took off and had, you know, a historic year last year. And Marlon Mack kind of got put on the back burner uh, coming off that Achilles injury and was inactive and you just they just never found a role for him with Naheem Hines and Wilkins and and those guys in Indy in the in the backfield, but those those numbers are nothing to scoff at before pre Jonathan Taylor. I, I I pulled a quote from Frank Wright when Marlon Mack came back this past season and they had to make him inactive just because it was a pure numbers game. But Frank Wright was quoted as saying, "It's painful to keep him inactive every week that I've had to make him inactive. I don't like doing that." And I think Frank Wright's a pretty good coach. I, I would hold him higher in the coaching power rankings than, than maybe others. But if a, if a coach says that about a guy, I think there's some value there that, that he still has. And you look at his highlights from those 2018-2019 seasons, you see great patience, great vision, great burst. And maybe some of that burst has gone with the Achilles injury. But I think he can still be an effective one-two punch with Singletary. And, and on a cheap contract, spot track, has him estimated at like around a 2.5 again. So uh, I'm looking at a, at a guy like Marlon Mack to solidify the backfield. Uh, I like that too. And, you know, the backfield that's left in me, uh, I feel like, you know, we're all but, we've all but given up essentially after those three games with um, Zach Moss. No. Oh, Breda? Breda. <laughs> yeah. Breda. Like, filling that Breda role. I think Breda was trying to carve out a role, and then we were just like, kind of closed the door on that. But does that door reopen with a new human? And that they're able to carve out a role because I liked, I kind of liked what Brita was was carving out for himself. Like, right. I liked the idea that that existed in our offense, even if it was, even if Matt Brita wasn't exactly the right person to fulfill it. I do like that maybe Marlon Mack is that person to fulfill it. Yeah, I I guess it depends with Dorsey. This all depends, of course, what Dorsey utilizes and what his offense is going to look like. Like, I don't think Marlon Mack's like your prototypical like third down back, like a Giovanni Bernard, or, or a J.D. McKissick that like comes out of the backfield and is great on screen passes. But I think he's much better between the tackles. And if Sean McDermott uh, gets his way, as he did kind of last year, of like running backs running between the tackles or into the pile of, you know, six 300-pound dudes, like I think Marlon Max probably the best fit for that and instead of like a J.D. McKissick or a Giovanni Bernard. I, I like Singletary. This isn't any knock on Singletary. I, I think Singletary is clearly the RB1 going into next season, or maybe RB2, Josh is RB1. In um, um, but I think it's all dependent on Zach Moss. Like When I was watching highlights for our uh, Top Plays episode, like there was a lot of Zach Moss highlights early in the year in both the passing and the running game. I look back to that first Miami game when he like separated a guy's shoulder on the goal line with a power run in, and there was some good stuff from Zach Moss. And I, I think there was some fumble issues and uh, some vision issues. And, 
Uh, I think it kind of unwound for him a little throughout the season. I'm hoping, in in reality, we don't even have to look at a running back and we go Singletary Moss because Moss kind of has this Singletary-esque from last year moment or realization that, hey, this is a make or break for me. If I don't change, you know, what I do in the offseason and how I view game tape and how I how I play the game, then I might not have a roster spot this year. So I'm hoping Zach Moss kind of has that like enlightening moment that Singletary had last year. And and we don't have to look for a running back in free agency. But if we do, Marlon Mack is my choice. Regardless, we should look at a running back in free agency. Um, I think we always kind of do. Like, there's always someone who's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Right. And then he's on the team in training camp and then never, and then kind of like always forgotten about in that, too. Yeah, there, there seems to be always that that guy, whether it's like Chris Ivory or Matt Breda, as you mentioned. Like, yeah. always that like forgotten guy, like, oh, yeah, he, he was good for a hot second there. Like, I picked him up on my fantasy team waiver. <laughs> Right. I thought Chris Ivory was pretty good for us. He wasn't bad, right? And you know, he, he was fine. Uh, Tony, third and final choice. I am going to say, well, I see, I, I, I have so many, I have so many, um, feelings, honorable mentions <laughs> and feelings about this. There's like a lot of people that I kind of want. Yeah. But so I hope you do an honorable mention. But what I'm going to say, I'll rattle them off at the end. Yeah. I'm gonna say someone. I, I have to follow my heart here. Between between two between two players that are kind of like I'm kind of rooting for. Your heart's never steered sure around before. Uh, is this what I want to go with? <laughs> I think it is. Okay, I have to go with my heart. I'm saying bring Corey Bajorquez home. Oh wow, yeah. that is a heart pick. <laughs> hashtag bring Corey home. Should we start a bring Corey home hashtag? I'm gonna tweet it right now. <laughs> bring Corey home, bring him back where he belongs. Oh. He's never felt so strong. I like it. Feeling like there's nothing that he can't try. <laughs> this goes back to the point last week of okay, he's not a good holder of the football on kicks or field sure. goal. Don't care. Find someone else. To, there's 53 other guys, 52 other guys on this roster. They can, they can hold. Yeah. Well, I guess there's fifty. I guess there's fifty one because Reed Ferguson can't do both. So. I guess that's a good point. Yes. <laughs> so fifty one other guys that can hold the football. I want a punter. I think someone's really going to reach for the hot punters of the draft, and it won't work out for us. You do like this really... draft class for punters, though. You did mention that. I do like this draft class for punters. I'm always just like, oh yeah, like there's an opportunity for some punting. Uh, but I, I just, I also just kind of feel like. It's not going to work out for us. Like you can't, you can't trust this draft that like say our answer for punter is guaranteed to come on draft weekend. You don't know that the tips are going to fall that way. With Borges, you know, and I know that I want him back here where he belongs, not in Green Bay, right mm. here. Come, Borges is my last pick. Like, <laughs> like it. Sign him up. Bring Corey home. Hashtag. Bring, hashtag. Bring Corey home. Yeah, Matt. Matt Hawk is. Uh, he stinks. He stinks. <laughs> right. He's a nice kid. He's a nice guy. But yeah, let's 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 get a new punter in here. Someone who can actually kick the ball past thirty five yards. Uh or I don't have to worry about him getting it blocked every time he he punts. So uh like it. Uh my third and final pick. I gotta go to the quarterback room, Tony. Josh is alone. He's by himself. This isn't a Josh needs a friend pick, though. This is because if I were to do that, I would go like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could be 
friends with anyone, honestly. And he obviously loves Buffalo, as we all know. Right. Uh, I'm going to... Honorable mention. Okay. But I'm I, thinking about it. I am going with a familiar face. I'm going with Tyrod. Tyrod, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. Like, you're in the entire struggle of <laughs> who is that going to choose? Because they're all people. Uh, you're, you're just rattling off my honorable mentions right now. Oh, well, okay. We're saving time. Look at that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think, I, I think the thing with Tyrod, Tyrod, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? I just say Tyrod. I say Mr. Taylor. I put them <laughs> Okay. We're going to go with Tyrod for this. I know it's probably not right, but uh, the thing with Tyrod, I think that it is been the issue with him is he's always thought he could be a starter for the past like five years. He's always thought, you know, I deserve to be a starter. Tyrod, you're, you're 32 years old. You're on your probably fifth team in four years at this point. Like it's, it's time to realize you're a backup and, and to be okay with that. So I think what better place to be a backup than Buffalo. And I, to a, to a fan base that, that I think still, still has some feelings for Tyra. I mean, he's the guy that broke the drought essentially. <laughs> like he, that, that doesn't get discredited in my heart. Like, I mean, yeah, Peterman went in for a game, but or two. Um, but you know, Tyra was a guy that they led them to the playoffs, back to the playoffs. So, um, I, I think he can come cheap. I think he can come like in the four, three to four million dollar range. And I and I think he's a very capable backup. We saw him win uh, a couple games last year and going directly to the Texans beating the Titans in Tennessee, led by Tyrod. I, I think he's a guy who can come in and win you some games if, if need be. And he's a guy that you don't need to change the system if you move on from Josh or Josh gets hurt. He, he's a he's a dual threat quarterback. I, I kind of like this fit. I know he's not, you know, the most outspoken guy. And like I said, this isn't a get a Josh a friend pick. I think this is just a, a high value guy who still can produce if needed with now a training staff in Buffalo who won't stab him in the lungs. <laughs> I think I think it could work out. I was great. He was one of my honorable mentions. And he was one of my honorable mentions based on uh, kind of what you said is that, you know, when Brandon Bean on Trubisky it was about having a similar skill set, not having to adjust the playbook too much. Right. Um, surrounding that. And I'm like, well, we do know what Tyrod brings to the table, skill set-wise. I'm just, And I was like, does he still bring that to the table quite as much at the age of 32? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of like, I guess my hesitation, would he be willing? I think he would. I like Tyrod. I think that he's got, um, I think, I think he, that he's got them. Two goods left. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think he's got like two, three good years left as a backup. He has, uh, there it is. Okay. And I think that the thing about Tyrod is that he's got like a familiarity with McDermott. Right. And already like a little bit of a trust built up. Um, that they had that first time joining together. And I think that, you know, even if you're McDermott, like obviously McDermott's guy is that. Right. And their careers are tied to each other. But McDermott, there's like a bonding that occurs in anyone's mind in their first year of, an, of any kind of experience. And then the year is kind of like, you know, it just kind of becomes white noise right. over time when you've done it for a while. But there's always something about that first year, the first impressions, the first group you have, the first anything that that's like tattooed in your brain. And Tyrod is there right. for, for McDermott on that. Um, so I think that, that would kind of help foster anything that has to happen if he had to take over. So, I'm on board with it. 
is he my first choice? Probably not. Is he, but I, I think that there's a lot of advantages and it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it'd be fun. It'd be fun having him back. I, I think, yeah, it'd be fun. I think Fitz would be my first choice, but he made ten million last year, and I don't think he's gonna take like a seven million dollar pay cut. He could. If Fitz is, I, if Fitz, I, I mean, he's like he's, he's gonna be forty years old. Yeah, probably care. Yeah, trying to hang out. Yeah, right. All, all that matters with him is where is he gonna live in retirement? Right. If he if he loves Buffalo to the point where he's just gonna pull a saber slayer and make his life here. Then yeah, then he should play. Then he could just play for yeah, a million, for a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, play for a million bucks. Whatever he's going to do this. Would he, I mean, a million bucks in Buffalo, he would be one of the richest people in house. dollar goes a long way in this city. A dollar is going to go a long way. So so a million dollars here could be very different than than a million dollars elsewhere. Right. So, Exactly. Is like, well, that's what the If Fitz wants to play that role, he can, uh, like, it can be figured out. I think. Yeah. All right. Real quick. It's not going to be so easy. No. Uh, real quick, Tony. Who uh, have we not mentioned from your honorable mentions? Uh, I was really trying to decide. Did I? How much I want to value like an interior offensive lineman? Yeah. Um, and I'll probably do value an interior offensive lineman more than I value a puncher. I wanted to have to bring Corey back. <laughs> um, I was end up Lakin Tomlinson. Oh, wow. the uh, 49ers. Yep. Really respect his game. Really respect what the 49ers develop along uh, their offensive line. And so I'm like, and so I, I thought having a guard in Lakin Tomlinson to really just kind of like, hey, shore that up, like make sure it's super solid, right in and then 10 instead of constantly shifting guys around. I have one less question mark on the team. Sign me up for Lake and Tomlinson to be able to do that and make this offensive line stronger. Yeah, I, I like that. I've, I've always been eyeing Lake and Tomlinson Even ever since he came out of the draft. I, I thought he was pretty good coming out of Duke as well. Um, you know, it seems like forever ago, but uh, I think that's a solid pick. I was looking at an offensive lineman too for my honorable mention. I was looking at a Super Bowl champion. I was looking at Joe Noteboom from the Rams. I think he's a guy who has some versatility along the offensive line. I think he played guard or tackle. Super Bowl champion, obviously, as I mentioned. Still fairly young. I think he's 27, 26, 27. I just think he has some good experience and it can be solid. Now, the thing we always got to put an asterisk on with the you know, offensive linemen we bring in is sometimes it doesn't work out too well. Bobby Hart, uh, Brian, Win- Brian, Brian Winter, who we had, we had a lot of hype for. So we, we always have to err on the side of caution there. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll put it out on Twitter. Listeners uh, in Twitter follows, give us your thoughts of free agency as well. Tony, what do you say we wrap it up, though? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Thank you to our sponsor, as always, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozie's starting at just $5. Check them out. Check out all their cool designs. A lot of holidays coming up. Dingus Day, St. Patrick's Day. They got designs for everything. Check them out, www.travelinggrowler.com. Bottles, koozies, growlers, they got you covered. Uh, T-shirt store, teespring.com. Search witty, not funny, all one word. You can also find the link on our Twitter profile. Check it out. Support the podcast. T-shirts starting at just $20. You get a good talking point. You get a funny T-shirt. And... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. You Scratch that. Edit. You get a witty (laughs) T-shirt. That is that is bound to get people talking. <laughs> Sorry, it's late. Come on. Uh, um, 
Where to find the podcast? You can find oh, t- I say teespring.com. Search way not funny all in order. Yeah, I said all that. Uh, see, you got me f- rattled now, Tony. Um, where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network at Built in Buffalo underscore. You know, check us out. Leave us a review if you like us. Subscribe, of course. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever your fine podcasts are listened to for free. By searching witty not funny all one word twitter handles tony where can the listeners find you uh you're on shift two shift two tony jambros make sure you get that shift two in there though that's very important <laughs> that's how it works nowadays you can find the podcast at witty sports 716 give us a follow we love connecting with the bill sports community or the buffalo sports community out there bills mafia saber swords people uh, give us a follow, follow back, sharing the love. That's it, Tony. What uh, you got to uh, send off for the listeners? Maybe some uh, late night uh, verbiage from the tombs you heard this week? Uh, the only late night verbiage from the tombs I heard was constantly the phrase, no, it was on Instagram. <laughs> well, at some point, that some girl always had that phrase rising above the rising above the you know the bustle of course what is your uh send off for the listeners oh okay if that is not it is that going to be it you could you know i think my send off for the listeners is uh get instagram is to i'm trying to i'm trying to think of i've heard so many fantastic quotes you know like inspirational american history quotes and uh during my time in dc this week but i'm gonna Bypass any of those and just simply say, uh, make sure to exercise patience as we wait for the combine to start because that's what I'm excited about. Yes, the combine right around the corner. Uh, and patience is a virtue, as they say. So, as we always say, go Bills and stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Marshawn is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's it it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.